Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good day, everyone. We have been studying the four faces of life. When we become a Christian, God puts his spirit within us, which is the essence of his life, and he wants us to manifest that to the world. And how does that life look like when it comes out? Well, we have been seeing that that life comes out as L-I-F-E, love, integrity, forgiveness, and excellence. And for the last number of days, we have been looking at this first one, love. And I would like to take one more run at this aspect of love before we move on to the next one, which is integrity. Now, this is so important to us that we love one another. As we have been saying, this is the mark of being a Christian. If you want to find the one distinguishing mark of a Christian, it is that we have a loving attitude to one another, and not only that, but also to enemies and those that despitefully use us, the scripture says. The mark of a Christian is to love. God has put this love within us, and we are to allow it to come forth and to be seen. Now, if it's going to become a mark, it has to become obvious. It has to be something that is observable. It has to be seen by one of the five senses. We as human beings live in a tangible world. And if God's love inside of us is to be manifest in this world, it has to be sensed by one of our five senses. Now those five senses are sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. This is how we perceive tangible things with our five senses. And what God desires for us as Christians is to live our lives in such a way that others will perceive the love of God by their five senses. If we just talk about love and yet it is never made tangible in any way, we are doing the greatest disservice to Christianity that we could. How often have we heard people say, well, Christians are hypocrites. They say one thing, but they do something else. We need to live our lives in such a way that the love of God is being manifest through us, that we really are leaving a mark in this world, and that mark is one of love. Now, let me begin today by relating to you an incident that happened to me several years ago. I was at a camp in New York State, and I was just a young minister and just beginning the church here. And there was an elderly gentleman that was staying in the same dorm that we were at this camp. And he was up in his 80s. And in talking to him, I found out that he had been a pastor and minister for many, many years. As we talked together that afternoon, I asked him how he became a Christian. And he began to relate to me how he had come to find Christ, and it was quite a story. As it turned out, he was involved heavily in the stock market in the 1920s, and he had just kept turning money over and over as the stocks just skyrocketed through that time, and he was just plowing more and more money back into stocks and living quite a life by running up bills and debts. 
on the basis of the monies that he had in the stock market. And, of course, we all know in 1929 the great stock market crash happened, and he lost everything that he had. And and I asked him, I said, I read about times where people were actually jumping out of buildings. He paused and he looked at me and he said, that's absolutely true. He said, when I realized that I had nothing, all my money was gone, my stocks were worthless, and everything was taken from me. He said, I stood myself one night looking out a window and thinking about jumping. And he said, and as I was standing there thinking about this, he said, I looked out across the city and he said, I saw a cross. It was a lighted cross in front of a building and something spoke to him and said, that's what you need. Go there. And he said, rather than jumping, I went down and walked towards the cross. When he arrived there, it turned out to be a harbor mission, a place where men could get food and shelter. And he said, I went in, and he said, they were giving food to people. And he said that I was in the lineup, and he said, I received my supper. And he said, we went through a bit of a a talk. And he said, I was put into a room, and we were given blankets, and we were all laying down on the floor for the night. And he said, I was just lying there, just feeling so empty, feeling so lost, and asking God if he would just help him in some way. And he said, suddenly I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I turned over and he said, I looked up and he said, I saw a man looking down at me. And he said, the man looked at him and said, come with me, I'm taking you home. And this man took this young man home with him and gave him clothes, gave him a room to stay, got him on his feet. And as it turned out, of course, he was a Christian, led him to the Lord. And this man, as a result, went into the ministry. But he said to me, when that man put his hand on my shoulder and I turned over and I looked at him, he said, I saw Jesus in the face of a man. I've never forgotten that statement over all these years. And that is exactly what God wants to do. He wants to show his face in our face. He wants our hands to be his hands. He wants our voice to be his voice. God wants to make his life visible through our life. This is the whole goal of being a Christian. This is what we've been talking about, that the love of God must be shown very practically, very tangibly through our life. Many years ago, I read an article in the Reader's Digest written by Hilary Lorman. And let me read it. It's very short, but it really speaks to what I'm trying to say today. It reads, Standing on the doorstep of a decaying apartment building one windy morning several winters ago, I considered how my adolescent career dreams of starched white caps, crisp uniforms, and clean, efficient Ben Casey hospitals bore little resemblance to the reality of my work. I was a psychiatric admissions nurse for a Kansas City mental health program. Many of my patients fought heartbreaking battles against chronic mental illness and some were left helpless by their struggles. I counted on my faith to carry me through the rough times, but some days tested my faith to its breaking point. The sting of the wind on my cheeks that morning was a reminder of how hard the winds of life can blow. Clutching my collar tight with one hand, I knocked on the big double door that had once been painted a cheerful blue, but now was mostly chipped away in its dingy gray primer undercoat. 
Mrs. Cameron, I called. Are you there? I took my glove off and rapped sharply. Mrs. Cameron? Moments later I heard shuffling steps. Someone fumbled with the locks. The door yielded warily, and an eyeball dotted the sliver of an opening. You the nurse? Yes, I said. She opened the door just wide enough for me to squeeze into the hallway. A cartoon program blared from a television in one apartment, and the stale smell of bacon grease hung in the air along with a baby's insistent wail. I followed Mrs. Cameron silently through the dark passage to her apartment. She was a slender, stooped woman, dressed in a faded housecoat. Her feet wobbled inside a pair of men's shoes, and she kept one hand on the wall as she went. The referral form noted her diagnosis, chronic schizophrenia, as well as a host of minor but debilitating physical ills expected in an 86-year-old woman. She had listed no family or emergency contact person to help her and had refused all attempts to get her into a nursing home. Inside the sunless, dusty apartment, nearly every flat service was overlaid with photographs, postcards, newspaper clippings, and notepaper filled with tiny writing. I glanced in the kitchen. The sink was piled high with greasy dishes. Mrs. Cameron fixed her attention on the window, which was covered by a heavy drape. Last night the gypsy came through there to steal my things, she announced trembling. Her eyes darted between the window and me. Mrs. Cameron, I said gently, you need to be where you'll feel safe. Let me call your doctor and we'll tell him what is happening. I saw wild suspicion blazing in the woman's eyes. Somehow I had to convince her that she needed help, more help than I could give her now in this environment, but already I felt a sense of futility overwhelming me. Are you hungry? I asked. She nodded and I went to the kitchen. A framed copy of the Lord's Prayer hung on the wall. Where is the Lord in this woman's life? I wondered. Fighting bitterness, I looked around me and thought, Thy will be done? Sometimes, Lord, I do not understand your will. Opening the refrigerator, I threw out sour milk and spoiled food. One egg lay in a bowl beside a loaf of stale white bread. I found a can of Vienna sausages and a bit of instant coffee. While water heated in the enamel kettle, I browned the sausages and made toast, then scrambled the egg. I glanced around the corner to check on Mrs. Cameron, who sat slumped against the couch cushions, muttering to herself and staring at the window. Lord, I demanded, tears beginning to fill my eyes. How could you forget her? How could you forget this poor old woman? The kettle whistled and I assembled the paltry breakfast and carried it to Mrs. Cameron. I gently patted her arm. Eat now, then I'll help you get dressed. Maybe we'll call the doctor after all. She looked into my eyes and I saw that hers had softened. I washed the skillet and dishes, wiped off the counters, while Mrs. Cameron ate every bite. Then I arranged her readmission to the hospital. When the cab pulled up, Mrs. Cameron held my arm until I settled her into the back seat. Then she leaned towards me. Thank you, she said clearly. Thank you. And as she squeezed my hand, I suddenly sensed, almost as if it were an audible voice, the answer to my earlier prayer. For an instant, the answer shamed me. But then I was filled with awe and with gratitude. I sensed the voice of God say, I have not forgotten her. I sent you. I'm Ken Miles. 
Bye for now. Before I go, the material I'm covering now on the program is from my book, Is There More to Life Than Living? It is available for purchase on Amazon or from the church office. Get it for yourself or to pass on to a friend. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.